Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Rethink Real Estate. Today's episode is with William Branham. Now, William is a Navy SEAL veteran that has got some incredible stories and an incredible outlook on processing different things. His story is a 26-year veteran of the military itself and going on secret missions that only were approved by the President of the United States and also honing his leadership skills through the SEAL team. The story that we talk about today is some of the things that he's done since leaving the military and how he had to refocus his purpose, refocus his positive self-talk. He recently went and did a 25-hour hike through one end to the other end of the Grand Canyon, which he speaks about as well. He speaks about an acronym, acronym which is NAKED. And he talks about that philosophy of getting naked. I'll let you listen in to figure it out. But William also is the CEO and founder of Naked Warrior Recovery, which then is a sponsor for lots of charities to do with veterans. This is a great episode and really focuses in on the mindset. He really does cut the shit and get right to the point. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to Rethink Real Estate. My name is Ben Brady, and this is a real estate podcast aimed to deliver sales strategies, marketing tips, and business insights from industry experts and myself to build a listing-focused business for the future. Let's get into it. So, William, welcome to Rethink Real Estate. It's a pleasure to have you on. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me here. I'm stoked to be here. So you just told me you did over, you've done over 400 podcasts. So Yeah, it's true. Favorite podcast so far? What would you say if the audience was listening? And I can link it in the bio. What would be one of your favorite? You know, I, funny enough, it's uh, and I forgot the name of it, but it's a guy in Australia who connected me, to, who was really the catalyst to how we met. And uh, I'm I'm blanking on his name, but he asked Michael. Me pretty- is it is it Michael Sheargold? No, I have not been on his podcast. Oh no, yeah, I just know because I know that you and I have a link through Sharan, and Sharan right. knows Michael well in Australia. So we, I was actually connected to you guys through James Whitaker, who was also a, a great podcast that I was on. Fantastic. But the guy that connected me to James and his name is blanking. Uh, he's a redhead. He's, he's in Australia. I've been on his show twice awesome. and uh, he's a ginger. I think. We'll, uh, we'll find it. And we'll link it in the show notes after. He's a ginger. Is that a genetic mistake at that point? A ginger? Like, I, like somebody I said that. Someone said that. Okay. I don't know. That, that's a, that's a fine question. Maybe, or, or maybe they're doing it right. I have no idea. Could be, could be indeed. But hey, look, I'm, it's a pleasure to have you here today. But I've got a question for you in the beginning because I'm trying to, you know, you've tried. You've given me the test to come up with tough questions. So, you know, at the end of the day, you do some. You you've done some scary shit. And and the thing that I wanted to ask you straight off the bat was, what are you scared of? I'm scared of lots of things. Let me let me tell you something. I I found a new level of fear uh, last week. I went and hiked the the Grand Canyon, so rim to rim to rim. So started on the south rim, hiked to the north rim, turned around and hiked back to the to the south rim. And I, you know, it was much harder than I anticipated. Like significantly harder than I anticipated. Actually, every one of us that did it, there were guys that have completed several Ironmans and we were all like, holy shit, that's, that was hard. Like, I don't want to go back down in that canyon ever again. What now, was the toughest part? What was the toughest part? The end, the the end of it, you know? So the, there was a, the, the way out, there's only two ways out. You can walk out or you can be helicoptered out. And the weather was terrible. And uh, it was, it was, uh, we would, it, we had traveled about 45 I'm sorry, 54 miles in a 25 hour period of time. We saved a kid's life 
Like that kid would have died had we not shown up. And, uh, you know, he was going to die of hypothermia. We saved his life. That None of that scared me. Nearly falling off of a cliff didn't scare me. But, you know, trying to climb out of that canyon and being absolutely exhausted beyond measure um, alone was uh, I had about four. It took me about five and a half hours to get out of there and uh, from the bottom to the top. Uh, and uh, I had about four hours of just not good self-talk. But just, you know, some, some of the things that I talked about, you know, when when I was out there at, at the event in, in Nashville, you know, talking about these small victories, just like I just started to create these small victories, like I'm going to do 10 switchbacks and uh, and then I'll take a break and just try to keep these like small victories in my mind to keep my mind from like taking over my my sanity and uh, just kind of giving myself a little bit of control. And then all of a sudden there were no switchbacks and it just kept going up and up and up. And I was like, ah, OK, I got a new I got to find a new thing to uh, to, 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 to find a way to win. And, uh, so I was like, okay, the next sitting rock and it's at a sitting, I, we call, I called it a sitting rock. And, uh, you know, you ha- I had to find some humor out there as well, because you, I was like, dude, there's no way I'm going to make it to the top of this thing. That just seems so unattainable. And it, and I just had to keep coming back to the thing that I preach to people all the time. The thing I stand on stage and I, and I, and I put out in the world and it, it had to be, I had to like, I had to drink my own medicine. I had to create small victories a hundred percent of the way. Eventually I fought, I caught, got caught up to, you know, about half of the rest of the group and finished ahead of people. But there was about four and a half, four hours where I was like, this is, it, it nearly broke me and, but it didn't. So what, what's a, what's a switchback? What, what are we talking about? So a, a switchback is, uh, so the, when you're going up in elevation and rather than going straight up, you know, you've seen roads where they're like, they go this way and they're up and they turn and they go back the other way and they turn uh-huh. and they go back the other way like that. That's a, that's a switchback. Right. So this was just following the path. Correct. Oh, right. And okay. you know, I know that when it's doing a switchback, I know that I'm going up in elevation, but I know if I'm just kind of going straight with like a, a gradual incline, it's not as much elevation gain. And I'm trying to get the hell out of this Canyon. And wow. so switchbacks for me were a good thing and I could count them. I'm like, okay, I know that I'm, I'm moving forward. But when it, I just wasn't doing any more switchbacks, I didn't, I didn't feel like I was moving forward in, in progress. So I just want to, uh, I, I, a mental, mental game. I want to put it out there to everybody is that just the general offhanded comment that was made just along the way of describing what you were doing over a 24 hour period. Oh yeah. And also we saved a life by the way. And yeah. And then we kept going and it's, it's like, okay. <laughs> uh, so t- what, so what, there was a kid stuck at the bottom of the Grand Canyon or what, how, how was that working? Yeah. So this, so it was a kid, 18 years old, looking for adventure, trying to f- learn how to be a man in life. He did, he didn't have any, we found out later that he had no real uh, masculine influence in his life really at all. And, and you, it, and there were 13 of us all like men for sure, men. And, uh, and we, this was the farthest ranger station in the grand Canyon. It's, it's seasonal. There was no one there. Like, it, and there was, so this kid, he and his buddy decided to hike to the end of the Grand Canyon and maybe come back partway. I'm, I'm not sure what their plan was completely, but his friend turned back and he decided to keep continuing on by himself. And on the, the, the north rim, of the, we started on the south and the north rim of the Grand Canyon is not very well traveled. It's not well maintained. Um, there was, it was, you know, uh, severe weather in the area. The winds were blowing about 45 miles per hour. There was a snowstorm on, on both sides. It was raining down in the Canyon. There was snow melt. There was a tons of waterfalls on the North rim. 
and you know this kid decided he was on his own and he decided he was just going to try to go to the to the to the north rim well by the way there's eight feet of snow on the other side that we found when we got over there and uh, at some point he decided to turn around and come back he, he didn't have the the proper equipment to handle anything above 6,000 feet where the snow started and ice and things like that. So he decided to come back. He's completely soaking wet. And I think he probably got to that ranger station around midnight or so. He stripped off of his wet clothes. And when we found him about eight o'clock in the morning, he was like hypothermic. He was for sure not doing well. Uh, we, you know, fortunately we rolled in there. And, you know, we had guys with, you know, that brought some camping stoves. We were going to have hot chocolate and have a little celebration, you know, on the other end. Um, and we just like went to work and like wrapped the guy up and gave him warm clothes and a warm jacket. And it was it was so cold over there. Uh, we we finally got the the ranger station open. We found the hidden key. We called the rangers and they're like, yeah, OK, well, if when he's good enough to walk out, then we'll come and rescue him. Well, at that point, it's pretty much too late. So we we had two guys that couldn't continue on to the North Rim. Um, and so we we let them rest there with that kid and gave him food and, and warm drink and got him warmed up. And then uh, we we and then and then when we got back from the, the North Rim, there was another group there. And it was right. interesting. There was a guide that was that had another group. And we were like, hey, man, can you help take care of this kid and like get him back to civilization? And he was like, nope, not my problem. And yeah. Like, what about humanity over here? He's like, That's it's crazy. not my problem. I got my, I've got my group over here. I, he's not, not my business. So it, it was like really incredible to watch. Like, I was just pretty disgusted with this guy. I was like, dude, is there a Yelp review that I can give you a zero, yeah. zero stars and like, do not recommend. Um, but anyway, we saved the kid's life. We got him back to health. He walked back to Phantom Ranch, which was the, the main camping area at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Uh, turned him over to the rangers. You know, the, the two, two of the faster hikers that we had took him and like really poured in like, you know, being a man and like figuring your shit out and, and things like that. And, uh, and so he, he got a lot of really deep life lessons on that hike back to, to Phantom Ranch with those guys. I mean, there were for sure the two best guys to, to kind of pour into him and help him, you know, figure out how to go find, you know, good male role models in his life so that he can be a good man one day. What a cool experience as it comes out of, out of it, you know, that, that journey for him having crossed paths and what are the chances of doing so and how that's probably altered his life in a, in a certain way, shape or form. I think that's, you know, really, really cool to see, but as as far as this exploration for you, what 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 brought this on? So I am I'm the COO of this organization called Manmade, and it was started by a buddy of mine. His name is Josh Kalinowski. He was a he was a former uh, professional baseball player. He never broke into the major leagues. Uh, eventually, he blew out his shoulder, couldn't pitch anymore, and uh, and and. We, we actually, he and I were connected through Sharon as well. And, uh, Sharon's a great connector for sure. And, uh, you know, when I was talking to him, you know, I, I have this thing about when I retired from the, from the SEAL teams, I felt like I'd lost everything. I thought, felt like I lost my purpose. I lost my mission and I lost my team. And I went into this state of depression and, and, uh, you know, I'm drinking myself to sleep at night, just glasses and glasses of vodka. And, uh, and I knew that I needed to turn my life around. And I discovered CBD. It was a modality that helped turn down the noise so I could have more positive self-talk. Um, 
So I started a CBD company, you know, spending my entire life in the military. I don't know how to run a business. So I hired some business uh, coaches and Sharon. Eventually I, I came across Sharon and, and, and we worked together. And, um, and so Sharon introduced me to Josh and, and, and I talk about, you know, my, um, you know, the way I felt when I, when I left the military, retired from the military is like that Avengers movie where Thanos snaps his fingers and the world's population, half the world's population vanishes. Like you're having dinner with your family and all of a sudden they're gone. It, that's really the way I felt. I lost my mission. I lost my purpose. I lost my team. And I talked that to Josh about that. He's like, dude, I felt exactly the same way. And I've talked to other high performers. They've all felt exactly the same way or very similar. Like, what, what do I do now? Entrepreneurs, billionaires, people who have grown companies to billion dollars and sold them. And, and, and they're like, what the hell do I do now? I, I have no purpose left in my life. And so a lot of what we do at man made is to help men really become men again. And, you know, we help that young kid, he will become a man one day and, uh, helping men become men again, really doing epically hard things where we break, you know, really break ourselves down physically, mentally, emotionally, and, and help build ourselves back up. Well, this was definitely a challenge as by the sounds of it. I th certainly believe that there would have been some breaking down and there would have been some certain, uh, I guess, a level of tenacity needed in order to get to the end and some scar tissue created also in order to, oh, you know, you know, to, 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 to lean on that experience. But speaking of other experiences that you've had and, and the direction that you've been in, it was a really good way to sort of segue into a little bit of your past. Um, there's uh, the audience that you spoke to on behalf of our group, you know, got a great deal of value out of what you, what you've done and what you brought to the simplistic way of thinking about things you know get naked is on your hat you know naked is an acronym that you use could you walk us through that because i loved it there you go get it's, <laughs> I love it's it. on pretty much everything i wear if i wear something that doesn't say get naked i'm like i feel a little bit out of place i feel a little bit naked i think <laughs> it'll be a great it'll be a great conversation starter i've got to admit <laughs> it, it absolutely is i, I yeah it, it for sure gets people's attention so uh, you know like i said in um naked naked's an acronym that I came up with. And so it's it, it really, it's about initially naked, getting naked was about taking that ego off, taking that armor that I was wearing around off, that mask that I was hiding behind off. So I could become vulnerable, you know, expose myself, become vulnerable so I could find the healing that I needed to become a better person, to move to the next, you know, mission in life. Um, and so once I started having more positive self-talk and I could actually fix myself, um, I thought about what are the things that I've learned in, in the SEAL teams that I can apply to my life and that I can help apply to other people's life. So naked, you know, again, acronym, the N stands for never quit. And it's, and it's not, it's like never quit. I don't mean never quit smoking or drinking or anything like that. I mean, never quit on yourself, never quit, always trying to improve yourself, always trying to get to the next, you know, the next mountain, the next goal line in life. Uh, the A is accept failure because failure has been the biggest teacher of my life. Uh, I, you know, if I wouldn't trade all the failures that I have for all the money in the world, you know, I'll make money eventually, but I'm, you know, I, I, I would rather have the failures so that I have the lessons learned along the way. Um, the chaos kill mediocrity because, you know, we're surrounded by mediocrity every day. You know, we, we, we get sucked into our phones and we find excuses to not attack our goals for the day, to not work out, to not do things. So I tell people to compete, compete in kindness and gratitude and generosity. And when you start learning to win in those areas, like, can you be the kindest person you've ever met? Can you be the most, uh, um, have the most gratitude of anyone, you know, 
like compete in things like that and then start competing against your ego because your ego knows exactly what to tell you to make you quit on yourself and to make you mediocre. The E is expose your fears, you know, go out and do hard things like doing that Grand Canyon thing. It, on paper, it sounds easy, but in reality, it's it's hard and it, it, it is actually scary. Um, so go out and expose those fears. Do things that scare you. The D is do the work because, you know, we've we are in this sort of mindset. We've we've grown accustomed to the the path of least resistance, doing the easy thing, having instant gratification. And really, you have to you have to kill all of those things and just be willing to go out there and do the work. The results are on the other side of hard work. It's never on the other side of of like doing it once and, and you're good to go. You just have to do it and you have to grind and you have to like you should want life to bring you challenges so you can go attack those challenges. This is kind of like what I was talking about in, in the beginning of this. You know, I, I like when people ask me hard questions that make me think. When I first started doing many of the podcasts that I was doing, I was, you know, I, they were canned questions. I knew the questions before, so I could sort of think about the answer. I think that's fine to get started. But the more podcasts I did, I kind of got bored when people were just asking me, the same old question. I'm like, ask me something hard, something I haven't thought of. And I don't know what that is because I haven't thought of it. But if you like, I think about something wazoo out of the, you know, someone else out there is going to ask me something that I haven't thought about. And I appreciate those challenges in life, just like going and doing hard things, go out and, and build your business, go out and like, you should be grateful that the, I, I think, I think that, you know, in, in your industry, you should be grateful that the industry is getting hard because there's a lot of people out there. They're like, Oh, it's just free money. I just like, I fog a mirror and, and money flows into my, into my bank account. I haven't really done anything. I don't know anything about the market. So this is a great opportunity for, for the people in your industry and in the real estate industry to go out there and hone their skills and learn resiliency and be okay with no and learn how to sell and learn how to be the best fucking real estate agent in the in the world absolutely that's absolutely. My, my personal opinion well again i think that that acronym naked has made it easy for you to remember because there's certainly as i said to people when i learn it is that it's hard to forget that's for sure but i think that the other part of this that i wanted to sort of go back on and circle back on i've got a couple of questions that i want to ask but the one thing that you alluded to before we got into the the naked element is that you had to fix your mind and the positive talk. Let's talk about that process because at the moment there's a lot of negative talk within real estate with the market change and and just there's a lot of negative talk in the ups and downs of real estate in general. But then anything that anyone ever does, you know that that, that little voice inside. So how do you how did you fix that? Because if it was if it was bad in the beginning, trying to get your mental set right is so difficult. I, you know, I like I said, I you know, I, in that Grand Canyon hike on the way out, it was five and a half hours from the bottom to the top. It was twenty five and a half hours long, and I had four hours of negative self talk. I was like, I had a huge pity party, and I'm not one to do that. I'm in pretty good shape. I embrace doing hard things, and I for sure had hard like I, I was feeling sorry for myself a lot. And it wasn't until I got closer to the end, but I, but I didn't quit. I for sure was like, dude, I, all I want to do is like sit down and take a nap. I'm tired. I, it's hard, like, it's getting harder to breathe. My legs hurt all this other stuff or my energy is low. Like, but it was, it was the discipline of just continuing to move forward. Sometimes it's not, you don't. So uh, at the end of this, at the end of that, that event, the next day we had a guy that wrote the, I forgot his name. I wish I could remember it, 
off the top, right, real quickly, but it, he wrote The Comfort Crisis. Okay. And, you know, he said something in that presentation that he gave us. Um, and he said, fear, I'm sorry, he said, fatigue is an emotion. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Like, uh, motivation is, a mo- is an emotion. When you're motivated, you feel good, you're ready to go, and you have lots of energy. Fatigue is exactly the same way. You, you, yes, you may be physically tired, but you can go a lot further than you think you can. I've learned that over and over and over in my life. You can just go so much further than you believe that you can when you're just tired and you're exhausted. That fatigue, just keep going. Fuck it, man. You, you don't, even though you don't feel like it, just get up in the morning, put your big boy pants on and go to work yeah. and go do stuff. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I had moments, like I had a good long stretch when I retired from the military where I had those, those pity party moments where I just didn't feel like doing any work. I mean, some of it was, I was hung over from the night before cause I couldn't turn this, this shit down in my head. You know, when, once, you know, I started getting control of that, I started waking up in the morning and, and getting after it. But I had to, first I had to recognize that. Um, I had a problem. It's like, whatever, being an alcoholic. The first thing you have to do is recognize you, that you're an alcoholic. How did, how did you, how did you, re- William, how did you recognize that? Well, I, I've been a part of a group of high performers my entire adult life, you know, being surrounded by high performers in the SEAL teams. If you show up and you're not performing, they're going to let you know. And that's a great reminder. But when I'm not surrounded by those people, I have to tell myself that. And so now, you know, I help build high performing teams and things like that. And, you know, really a lot of that is really holding, like talk about gratitude, but really holding one another accountable. I don't care about your rank or your age, or if you fucking started the company, I care about results. Mm -hmm. I don't care how good you think you are. Like everyone has bad days. Our, your job as a, as a team, as a community is to, okay, you're Ben, you're having a hard time today. Right on. Like, what do you need? Like, let's get your, let's get your shit together so you can come, come back tomorrow and, and, and be even better. Or what do I need to do today to, to motivate you and get you going? Cause sometimes you just don't, you don't feel like showing up and, and doing it, you just, but you have to just at least show up and then your team is going to like propel you forward. I didn't have a team at the time. Yeah. So the other thing that I've started to do is I've started reaching out and finding people. And some of it is I had to hire people. I had to hire coaches and, and, and that's just part of it sometimes hire people that will hold me accountable. And I thought it was weird when people started hiring me to hold them accountable. I was like, but that's weird. Like, why would, I can't hold you accountable. You have to do it yourself. But it's, it's like, there's just something about having someone that has your back, someone who's going to support you, even if you're down. Okay. You're, you're down today. Like let's get your shit together and let's get you going and get you up and running. And, uh, there's a tremendous amount of value in that. So I had to go out and find what I I call it building my new seal team. I'm not in the SEAL teams anymore, but I'm building my new inner circle. The people that I surround myself, the people who I rely on, the people who I can call and be like, yo, can you give me a hand with this? I'm having a hard time. And they will, they will reply to me and like give me whatever I need to get me going in the right direction. But I also have to be brave enough to ask for that help, which is one of the hardest things for me to do. I have my entire life, I have never, ever, ever wanted to burden someone by asking for help. And can you give... 
Can you give an example though of of that first moment that you had to ask for help? Like, let's say that somebody's listening to this at the moment, William, and they're like, "Well, yeah, no, yeah, I I, I really do need that help," but they they might have an e- their ego attached to it. How did you detach? What was the first moment where you detached that and asked for help? I think um, once I rec- I, I I've done it in very small ways, and I've also done it in ways that um, didn't really look like I was asking for help. So for example, you know, the first time, uh, CBD is a weird market. It's, it's, uh, there's a lot of not good actors out there, but also when I first found it, it was a, um, it was still very, very brand new. And, uh, so I was having a dinner with a former teammate of mine and, uh, or lunch. And, and I said, you know what, when I'm, when I finish here, I finally decided I'm going to try CBD. So I'm going to go, like I was in Virginia, I live in Hawaii. And I said, you know, hey, Ray, I'm going to go after when I, when I finish dinner, I'm going to go see if I can find a CBD store because maybe what you have in Virginia is better than what we have in Hawaii. And uh, so I but I have no idea. He was like, oh, if you want CBD, I've got some at home. A company sent me a bunch to try out and, you know, promote and whatever. And so I went back to his house and and he gave me a bottle. And and so I I asked for help oftentimes by not saying, hey, hey, Ben, I, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm not I'm not good at that. Hmm. But I also. I uh, was on Clubhouse once upon a time, you know, when it was cool yeah. and brand new. And uh, I, somehow I got into some room and there was a psychologist or a shrink. And uh, and I'm I'm trying to open up and I'm trying to be vulnerable and I'm trying to like, you know, work on this new muscle that I've created. Um, and uh, And I said, I have a hard time asking for help and I have a hard time doing stuff like that. And she said something to me that has never left me and probably never will. She said, you know, how does it feel when, when someone asks you for help and then you help them? And I said, I feel amazing. It feels awesome. I love that. She said, well, why are you robbing someone of the same joy that you feel when you help someone else? Why don't you just ask someone for help and give them that same joy? I was like, I don't like you. Really so good. Can you, please, can you please not talk to me ever again? But yeah. it was like, it's like, it's like, it's ingrained in me now. I'm like, I'm, it's still hard to ask for help. It still takes a tremendous amount of courage and there were many men on this, you know, on this event that we just did that they were like, yeah, I don't, I hate asking for help, but it's something that I'm going to work on. What do you think is one of the biggest things that is the challenge for the next few generations coming up? You know, I think that there's an element of here that there was a, there's a saying is that, you know, hard times build hard men, soft times build soft men. And I yeah. feel like, I feel like we're coming into a little bit more hard of recent there's a little bit more going on in society but at the end of the day is that what do you feel is the is the biggest roadblock to the next couple of generations coming through i think uh entitlement i think there's this huge push for entitlement everyone should be entitled to everything here i fucking hate that word and i apologize if i swear a little bit i get a little carried away um i love it I hate that word. I I think it should be banned from the world entitlement. Um, you know, we, every, the, the world is easier than it has ever been. You know, you can order food from a Uber app on your phone. Uber was like this great thing that like, you don't have to depend on a taxi anymore. Now they deliver food and you don't have to get up to do anything. You can do everything from like the, the it, we, are so busy trying to be comfortable. Hmm. And until we 
learn to embrace discomfort. Comfort is great in small pieces, but it also makes us soft. It's that whole saying that you just said, you know, um, good times create soft men, soft men create hard times, hard men, hard times create hard men, hard men create good times. I think we're still in the good times right now. I think it's, it, it won't take long before we turn like men are not the men that they used to be. I talk to, I talk to women all the time and they're like, where are the men anymore? I'm like, they're around. I'm sure they are. I see them. I know them. They're like, well, introduce me. I don't know. Um, but it, 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 I think it really is hard to find like men that want to be men anymore. And I think that's really the, the a, a big, a really big piece of it. Leadership. Like society is like, oh, like it's a, you know, what fucking pronoun are you, are you today? I don't have a problem with how you live your life. Don't try to import, impart your opinion on me. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. It's, it's a, it's a, I have to applaud people that bring children up at the moment. You know, I don't, I have God children. I don't have any kids myself, but realistically, I think that that's a, that's a battle that I would not like to go into because I'd feel very ill-equipped in order to handle it. That's for sure. But I guess that the, the part of this that I'm interested in um, your point of view on is that comfort is something like, I think that you mentioned a book of a gentleman that you were hiking with is the comfort crisis. Comfort seems to be, like you said, something that we're all striving towards in order to be as comfortable as possible at all times. How do you need to check yourself on a daily basis to make sure that there is a level of uncomfort? Like, again, I know that it's it's this philosophy that is out there at the moment, and I don't buy into the shit that is out there from an entrepreneurial attitude. Grind, grind, grind. You've got to keep grinding. Just grind, grind. And it's sort of like, oh, fuck it, stop it. Just shut up. Right. But but there's got to be a level of of self-awareness that you're just looking for comfort. How do you keep yourself in check? I, I, I do hard things. I work out. I mean, if you can just do something like that, just go work out. It's uncomfortable. Hmm. I know guys that will take an ice bath every day and they're like, you know what? I do this because I know that my competition isn't. I'm not, I don't like cold water. So maybe I should, I should, I, I spent a, a good part of my life in cold water. I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I don't need that anymore. I'll do other it? things. <laughs> <I've had enough>. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll do it on occasion just to kind of like to do it. Uh, you know, when I, when there's opportunity, I'm not going out of my way, but I, but you know, we're a group setting and we're doing it. I'll for sure get in there and I'll stay in longer than anyone else just because, but, uh, but it's, you know, it's also like telling myself, like, you can do this, you got this, you're doing something hard. And, you know, it's, it's just creating these small victories in your life. Just keep moving forward. Many times when you, when we, hit a brick wall, we just sort of like quit, we give up and we don't continue moving forward. Um, but we, we have to move forward. You, if you stop moving, you die the end. Like if you just think about it in terms of like two bodies of water, you have one body of water that's still in stagnant and another body of water that's flowing a stream and they're right next to one another. Which one are you likely to drink out of? You're going to drink out of the one that's flowing. You're not going to drink out of the stagnant water because you will die because it's got parasites and probably dead animals and whatever in there. You're going to drink from something that's moving. So you have to just always move forward in life. Even though you, like a river, it'll hit an obstacle and it'll just find a way around the obstacle. That's what we should be doing. We should just take our, our, those examples from nature and, and apply those to our, to our own life. 
Do you have a do you have a routine, a daily routine habits that uh, that keep you checked? My yeah, somewhat. Um, I you know it starts the night before generally. Uh, I prepare the next day, the night before. I write down you know the three things that I need to get done today or tomorrow. I know that before I like stop doing work for the day, and I'll work more than other people and and less than other people, more than some and you know less than others. Um, but I know what I need to get done the next day. And so those are, so I don't have like mental fatigue, the decision-making fatigue the next morning, you know, I can get sucked into my phone and like, Oh, this is an, this is a fire. This is an emergency. If it doesn't have something to do with those top three things, I'm probably not going to address it right away. Uh, so I do that the night before I, you know, lay clothes out and things like that. It's very kind of mundane, but it's, it's the little things that, that drive us to success. And then I get, a, I go to bed nine, nine 30. I'm not much of a party animal. Um, because I have a, I have a bigger goal in life. I'm not looking for that instant gratification, a bigger goal in life. And then I get up around five 36 o'clock, have breakfast. Uh, no, I don't have breakfast. I have coffee, drink, uh, you know, a, a big thing of water, about 20 ounces of water. And I generally go for a walk or a run just to get some kind of movement in for the day. It doesn't have to be hard just to go in go out for a walk, you know, 20, 30 minutes walk. And, uh, and I, I mean, I live right near the beach, so I'll either climb this hillside that's back behind my house or I'll walk down to the beach and do a mile run on the beach and then, and then walk home. And then I'm home in time for, you know, my, my, uh, you know, my daughter to, to go to school and then kind of spend a little time with her. And then, and then, you know, eight, 8 AM I'm, you know, generally on some sort of call or executing some, some, some kind of work. So, so question for you in the sense of what you do on a daily basis now versus back in the SEAL days, if you had a choice to go back to do what you're doing now or to go back to the SEALs, what would you choose? That's a hard one. That's really hard. Um, I think I would be doing what I'm doing now. Why? I would be doing more of what I'm doing now because it's uncomfortable. I mean, mm -hmm. what I did in the SEAL teams was hard and it was uncomfortable, but it was, um, I knew what I was going to do every day. And, but it was, it was spoon fed to me hmm. here. I have to figure it out. I have to like, what's the right next thing? What's the right next, uh, thing that I need to attack today in the entrepreneurial world. Now, if I was like sitting behind a desk doing a nine to five sort of cubicle job, I would be back in the seal teams right now. But the impact that I get to have on people's lives through the coaching and, and like all the things that I do now are all things that I said I would never do ever in my life. Um, I would never be in sales. I have a CBD company. I sell, uh, I would like this weird coaching thing. What the hell is that? You know, I had several, <laughs> I had several coaches ask me like, why the hell are you, why are you not coaching? I'm like, what do I, what do I know about coaching? What do I know about any of that? So I, I resisted that a lot. Um, and then I started doing it for free. And then I started, I worked for a company where it was like a paid internship. I call it a paid internship. People were paying like a shit ton of money and I was getting like pennies on the dollar, but I was like, whatever, I don't care. I'll just like, it's, I'm, I'm learning and I'm getting paid to learn and I'm getting paid to help people. And, you know, I found out that I'm pretty good at that. Uh, you know, listening, I, sh I for sure should have a, a, a degree in psychology because a lot of it, like at least 30% of it is like really psychology. Um, just listening to people's problems and like just looking at it from a different perspective and then giving them that that answer or helping them reframe it so that they have a different perspective of, of what they're looking at or the troubles that they're having in their life. Um, you know, business, things like that. Um, and speaking on stage, 
never. I was like, I would never be one of the who. What do I? I don't have a message. Apparently, I do. Um, it's a good. It's a good message. Just the endorsement <laughs> that I can give. That I, I thought it was fantastic, man. I appreciate it. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I would. I was very heartbroken when I retired from the SEAL teams, but I wouldn't change it for almost anything to do the things that I do now. So now what you're doing now, you're the CEO of, uh, um, excuse me, it is Naked Worry Recovery. Um, so that's your CBD company. Um, what has the what has the challenge been getting into that leadership position? Because leadership obviously is something that there's no doubt that there was an element of leadership that was taught or that was inherently taught through what you were doing from the SEALs perspective. But bringing that into the business world and then making that full transition into the company side of things, how's that journey been so far and 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 why did you start it, so to speak? Well, so I it was easy being the CEO of Naked Warrior Recovery because I started it from, you know, from from the ground up. And it was interesting. Uh, you know, I, I took CBD. I, it had a positive impact on my life. You know, I like to say that water boils at 212 degrees. I was probably living my life at 210 degrees. I didn't <laughs> even know it. It didn't take much to hit that boiling point. And so I took CBD that my buddy gave me. And I went from like 210 to 205 to 200 to 195, 190, maybe when it, my fuse just got longer. And I, I didn't notice it. I didn't notice those things happening until I stopped taking CBD. Uh, and then once I realized what was happening and many of the pains in my body just became less bad, they're still there. They just hurt less. Um, so much more tolerable. And then I stopped taking it because I ran out and, and I started getting closer to that boiling point again. And, and I was like, oh, maybe it was CBD. I tried a different brand. I had similar results. And so I was at a business conference for, with, you know, before I actually found a coach and uh, I met a girl in the that was in the CBD industry. She was putting CBD into kinesiology tape, you know, like rock tape, and yep, like yep. you see athletes with their on their shoulders and knees and stuff. And I was like, "Oh, you're the CBD girl, right?" She was like, "Yeah." She was like, "I said I want to be in the CBD industry. Really, I wanted her to hire me because I was lost and whatever." And she was like, "Oh, do you want to do A to B, B to B, or B to C?" And I was like. I want to do C B D. And so <laughs> I don't know if you heard me right. I was CBD. And so, uh, she was like, well, why don't you just start your own CBD company? And I said, I don't know how to do that. And she leaned in and she said, you are a Navy seal. You can figure it out. So I asked her politely for my man card back and put that in my pocket, not to give that thing up ever again. And, uh, I went out and researched and found CBD and, and, you know, many of the, like the, the, the leadership coaching gurus out there in the world, they say, find something that's bigger than like, you just want to make money. Um, and so I looked at the statistic of, of veterans. I'm a veteran. There's a statistic of veterans, 22 veterans take their lives every single day. My dad is actually one of those 22. We just lost a guy yesterday in yeah. from the SEAL teams. I mean, he was a guy 16 years ago, he was shot 24 times. And you know, he, and he, he died, you know, he took his own life yesterday. So our mission at Naked Warrior Recovery is 22 to zero to eliminate veteran suicide. And, uh, so that was, you know, stepping into that is kind of, it's super scary. Like, how, like let's try to impact the world and, and change the world and make the world a better place. And through that, um, like the leadership and the coaching and the other things that I do now are, you know, again, I didn't know how to like run a business or market a business. And, you know, I've been on over 400 podcasts and part of that is because I can't run ads for CBD. Social media considers it to be a, you know, an illicit substance, blah, blah, whatever. And so one of my coaches was like, well, bro, you just need to get on a bunch of podcasts, get on big name podcast and uh, get, get the word out there and 
tell people about your mission and things like that. I'm like, okay, check. And so through that repetition, I, 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 and, and through coaching, I, I developed, you know, the, the, the get naked mindset. I, uh, developed, you know, I started being asked really hard leadership style questions. And I was like, well, maybe I, and I had good answers. And then I started looking back at other things that I have done in the SEAL teams and, uh, and all the leaders that I've trained. And I'm like, ah, you know, a lot of the leadership lessons I have are through falling on my face as a leader and just doing the wrong thing. So I know the right, I know what wrong looks like and I know what right looks like. So it's, it's, it's been, you know, 26, 30 years of experience to get me where I am today. What's your relationship with money? Cause obviously money doesn't come into play when you're a seal and you've no. had to transition to, you know, people and helping people and all of that type of stuff, which is, you know, along the kind of the same lines right. is that, Understanding like money is a is an object that fuels a great deal of people, and I think that you just said it before is find something that's bigger than money. What is your relationship with money now? You know, it my relationship with money has been uh, much very much of a transition. I have I used to have a very bad relationship with money, and much of it was my my upbringing. You know, I grew up like poor, like poor white trash, poor free lunches. I remember my uh, being at my grandparents' house as a kid, and I remember there was a a uh, football coach. I think someone from Texas, you know, they said that you know the the football coach he was get he his new salary was a million dollars a year, and I remember my grandmother saying that is a sin. No one should have that kind of money, and so that was sort of the 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 and a million dollars back then is very different from a million dollars today. A million dollars today is like okay, that's that's nice. Um, um, but it, it, it's been ingrained in me, like money is bad and whatever the, uh, money is a, a tool. The way I look at it now, I still fall back on like bad habits of money. I, I guess, I don't know if that's the right word, but I'm continuing to have to remind myself that money is a tool. You should make a shit ton of it and be able to help as many people as you can with that money. Absolutely. And so that's, that's the relationship that I have with money on, on going forward. I, I have a hard time, like, you know, I go out and do speaking things and whatever, and I have a hard time, like even like sending an invoice to like get paid. Like it's I know funny. I delivered a service. I was, just, I was just, I was just out there with Josh. Our conference was like almost a month ago. And I'm, and he goes, he's like, have you got William next? I'm like, yeah, yeah I've got William as a podcasting. He's like, he just sent us his invoice. I'm like, really? I thought, have we not paid him? Oh my God. <laughs> but I guess that, you know, I, I think that, you know, probably speaks to the greater purpose of what you're doing. The thing that I want to talk, I think I want to talk about greater purpose. You mentioned something before that, you know, is, is something that I continually hear. Now I have zero um, I, I have zero credibility to speak on this topic or even bring up the question, um, but I think it'd be a, a, an interesting thing to get your take on it. Um, to me, from an outsider looking in, and I call myself an outsider, even though I've been in North America for 10 years, you know, um, and all of those things, I look at the military and I look at the military as something that isn't taken care of as well as say, maybe the firefighters, the, the policemen, you know, the ambulance workers, like all of that stuff from a pension perspective and all of those different things. And I see a great deal of, um, depression, um, you know, suicide, all of those different things that are, that are in the military when people exit that first of all, is that why? And second of all, is that if you are in charge of the process of people exiting the military, how would you make it different? Mm, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I don't know. 
I'd have to put a little more thought in it. That's, you know, that's, that's a good hard question. But what I do know is that the military puts a tremendous amount of time and money and effort into you to help you assimilate into the military. You know, you spend nine weeks at boot camp, they shave your head, they take your identity away, they assimilate you into being in, in the military. Um, you becoming a SEAL, uh, millions and millions of dollars and, and years and years and years just to, just to make me a SEAL. Um, when I left the military, when it was time to get out, there was a one-week course, one-week class that's mandatory for everyone. And the thing that you learn in that class, you learn how to write a resume and you learn how to do a budget. And I'm like, I need neither one of those. Neither one of those are, uh, maybe if you taught me how to do a P&L uh, or something along those lines, that would be useful. Um, or how to market or something like that. That would be fantastic, uh, depending on what I wanted to do when I got out. But, uh, you know, I think if you, we don't prepare our, our service members in any way, shape or form on how to get out. Like, Make a plan for getting out of the military. What are you going to do? Think about what you're going to do or what you want to do. What you do when you first get out probably won't be what you end up doing, but at least have a plan because a plan is something to, to navigate, to deviate from. It at least gives you a, a, a North Star to at least start walking towards. And so when you have, once you have that plan, so this is kind of the way I think about it. I call it five seal secrets of, of life transitions. Cause we all go through life transitions, no matter what it is. And, uh, so, you know, it doesn't matter if you're getting married or divorced or you have a baby or you global pandemic, or there's a death in the family, whatever, there should be a plan for almost everything that happens in your life. So first of all, you, you create a plan, you have an idea of what, you know, what could go right, what could go wrong. And then you brief the plan. You talk about maybe you want to change careers. Maybe I want to become a real estate agent. Well, there's a bunch of things you need to do to become a real estate. You need to get your license. You need to find, you know, the area that you want to work in. You need to do all these other things. And, you know, you want to be successful. So let's let's talk to other people that can poke holes in your plan. Okay, check. Let's do that. Now go execute. Now go do a go do a, a practice of your plan. Go like talk to people who have done it before and walk through, like learn how to do it. Talk about the transitions, talk about the highs, the lows, the things that you're gonna have to do, like learn about mortgages, because really that's a big part of, 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 of selling homes and buying homes is, and understanding like the mortgage piece of it, and then go execute. And then when you execute, make sure you have lessons learned, you know, do a, an after action review of, of the lessons learned, and then rinse and repeat and continue to do that and do that for everything that you do in your life. Purpose is a big part of what you're talking about as well and you having to find your purpose. If somebody's listening at the moment and they say they, they're there, they're like, um, you know, I don't know what my identity is. I don't know how to find a purpose. I feel numb. I'm blank. All of those different things. What do you think is a good place to start um, when it comes to purpose? Obviously, you've given us the five, um, um, you know, steps that you just did before. But is there something that you think that they should look at or do to start? I think purpose is, is hard. It's, it's, you know, it took me a long time to figure out what, what my purpose was or is, and it wasn't what I thought it was when I first retired from the military. It was, you know, again, it's, it's, I think what you have to do is you just have to try things, try things out. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. I thought maybe CBD was my purpose. It's a piece of it, but it's not my purpose. My purpose is to help other people become better 
better human beings, help them become the greatest version of themselves, whatever that looks like. That's sort of an undefined goal. But, you know, we, we all kind of walk around and we, we're afraid to ask for help. We don't know what that looks like. Ask someone for help. Ask someone, how, where do I need to go? What do you, th- what do you think? And they may give you like some oddball answer. That's fine. At least it's a different perspective from what you're looking at right now. Because, you know, on, you know, on the battlefield, if you're in a, let's say you're in a gunfight and you're on the battlefield, there's three things that you have to do when you're in a gunfight. You have to shoot, you have to move, and you have to communicate. And every time that you maneuver on the battlefield, you get a different perspective of the battlefield. The same in business, the same in life. Every time you make a move on the chessboard, everything changes. Everything on, on the battlefield, when you move from this area to this area, or I move from this area to this area in a room, and I look around a corner, I see the room from a different perspective. So I see life from a different perspective. So you just have to continue to move until you find the perspective that you're looking for and then start moving in that direction. That's a good answer. I like that. But uh, final final two questions that I've got for you. I've, I've, got, I've got one that's a little deep and then one that's just a little that I really want to ask. So first one is that how do you manage fear? I do things that scare me. And so you- I just... I, 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 you know, the E in naked is expose your fears. And a lot of that yeah. is just do things that scare you speaking in front of people on stage. That's scary. That's dude. I would much rather be in a gunfight because <laughs> I've been trained. I've been trained how to do that. I've, I'm pretty good at that. Speaking on stage, I'm still is a work in progress. Um, but I, you know, th- doing that, that, that hard stuff, you climbing mountains, uh, going for long runs. I don't like, I hate running. And now I'm doing like between five and 15 miles you know, at a time, I do the things that scare me. I hate swimming. I do this fundraiser swim across the Hudson River every year. I hate, like, I do things that I don't like doing, so I just go and do them because I know so, that you know that's that that's how I like break down the the thing that's you know potentially holding me back. If I decide to not do it, then I'm I'm mad at myself. So let's just go do the thing that you you don't want to do or that you're afraid to do. So, so again, just on that point again, is that how do you negotiate? How do you not negotiate with yourself? It's easy to negotiate with myself. It's, it's, it's scary to, to go and do it. I just do it. I don't think I try not to don't think about it. If you think about it, you're not going to do it. If you, you know, you can and like, for example, like I was like, I researched running shoes for like a month and a half before I actually started training for this thing. Like, shut the fuck up and go run. That's what you need to do. No one cares what shoes you have on your feet. Have you seen the TikTok? Sorry, this is a whole different. Have you seen the TikTok? It's a dude. It's a dude that that like someone's saying something. He walks in. He's got this big long hair, and he's wearing a mug. He's like, "Just go to the fucking gym. What are you doing looking at this? Go to the fucking gym." I think it's hilarious. That's exactly the same thing. Um, final final question for you, William, because you've been more than generous with your time today, and I think that there's been a great deal of value here today. Is that what's the coolest thing that you've ever done as a seal? I like jumping out of airplanes. Yeah, there's other cool stuff. I'm fast roping onto submarines in the middle of the Pacific ocean. Um, yeah, yeah, I've done a lot of cool stuff and well, like helicopters that have like, where you're just like weightless in the back of the helicopter where they're just doing this and also cool. Yeah. Well, mate, we thank you so much for joining us on rethink real estate. I think there's been tremendous and thanks so much for your journey. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you. So about 75% of our audience hasn't liked, followed, or subscribed to our podcast. It would mean the world to us, and it would help this podcast more than you know to expand our reach if you were to like, follow, or subscribe on any of the platforms that you're watching or listening on. Thanks again.